0: we <laughs> You're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of our new show, Dinner Party, with Chef Amy Sins. And of course, I'm Chef Amy Sins. And I have a friend of mine. We are remote from the American Culinary Federation National Conference. And I met this cool guy there uh, quite, I guess, a couple of conferences ago. But uh, we have Jeffrey Schlitzel with us. And he is with a group called the Bacon Cartel. That is his business and what i love is that our topic today is not necessarily bacon welcome
1: thank you very much for having me i appreciate it very much
0: well for everybody out there i got to watch a uh conversation with Jeffrey he got up and presented and was talking or, or chef Jeffrey forgive me I uh, was chef Jeffrey and um, you know we're buddies and sometimes I forget that
1: it's, you know <laughs> it's weird you know it, <laughs> you just I go with the flow it how it has to go I think
0: but you know chef Jeffrey gave a presentation and it was about you know how far we have come for our vegetarian and vegan friends that are dining in restaurants and that chefs are finally embracing the step beyond pasta primavera. (laughs) So talk about that, what's happened? I I really think
1: that, and and I think what really gravitates me, and this is what I stated yesterday, I think what gravitated me towards the the two things really, one that gravitated me towards plant-based, one is being on my own health journey. Um, as everyone knows, COVID, we, we call it COVID-19 because that was what it was. And I made a joke, you know, the freshman 15, we always talk about growing up. Mine was more like the COVID-30. Okay,
0: I'm the COVID-19. Yeah, no,
1: I was, <laughs> I was definitely COVID-30. I gained almost, a, oh, actually more than that. I was up to 260 uh, at one point. And I knew at 50, which I am now, and uh, having an 8-year-old daughter, I wasn't going to be around that much longer, especially with medical and and, and having all these different complications that I was having, being an asthmatic and high blood pressure and hypertension. And it was not looking good. And I saw two of my friends, both in the American Culinary Federation, Amy Thompson, who's no longer with the ACF, but we still keep in contact, and Suzanne Chef, Suzanne Greer, who um, I saw their journey, and I, I literally... Lost. I saw the how much weight they lost, and I pick up the phone. I go, "What the expletives that um, the chefs usually do? Four-letter word, not the five-letter word of the V-word, but <laughs> the other one." And I "What are you guys doing?" And they told me, and then it just went on from there. It, you know, I I lost seventy-nine pounds.
0: Congratulations. Um, thank
1: you. I it, it's I'm not by any means a uh, a vegetarian in any scope of the words I I said yesterday I'm a meatitarian I'm not a flexitarian flexitarian to me sounds kind of dirty it's more for me being a meatitarian it's like the omnivore that I mentioned that's the word I grew up learning or having in my head it means we eat everything plants whatever but that was the one side of it. The other side of it, the chef side of it, is um, I have been called a mad scientist because some of the stuff I do and the flavor profiles I've done, and I feel kind of, um, I, I feel kind of, uh, I have to do it. I can't not. I, I want to be a part of it and have to push my limits of what I think is the norm and and break it and think outside the mold every time I do it. So plant-based was like a a real common ground for me to be as creative as I possibly can be. But yet at the same token, I looked at it as a way for me to stop food waste. And that's another big thing that I I really preach in my kitchens is is how do we become food waste free? And I think that's a huge step in the right direction.
0: Now, for you as a chef, um, you know, 30 plus years of experience in in kitchens, did you approach cooking plant-based food? differently i mean we cook plant-based food all the time right correct correct. but to create something that was exciting to the palate did you approach that differently you
1: you have to i think Uh, i think and keith Sowers and, and his and you weren't there unfortunately you couldn't make it out for his demo or yeah his demo and his presentation he said we have to learn to subcontinent uh, India is what his presentation was and, and I learned the difference between India and the subcontinent of India and I'm, I'm going to correct myself now because I but he said I, I got involved in this cuisine because I respect the cuisine and the history where it comes from and that's what we need to do and that resonated with me with what we do with vegetables and as you said in the intro As chefs, we had that, and I mentioned it, the five-letter V word, Mm -hmm. vegan. And we always did, and I said this yesterday, when you have that server, hey, chef, may I call? Sure, call. I got a vegan. Fifteen years ago, it was just the rolling the eyes and huffing and puffing. And you didn't mean it jokingly. You were like, make me pasta primavera, and I can't believe these people. Why don't they stay home? And you made cracks. I think we need to break that mold and that mindset because it's not just vegan. It's what we need to do for our health of our own bodies. When the Western diet, as I like to call it, is literally killing us as what we eat. We're the only society in the world that has to biggie-size everything. And I guarantee some of the listeners are like, yeah, that's why I like a 96-pound 96-ounce or like John Candy. And I can eat that, no problem. When but not stop? every day. Right, right, exactly. And
0: that's, and I, I think that's the problem. And, you know, for me, my COVID-19... I, in South Louisiana, we have, you know, you're in Florida, we have hurricanes. You buy your hurricane snacks. We thought, oh, this is going to be like a couple of weeks, right? Yep. And so, man, I've developed, I loved my chips and queso. I loved my snack food. And then we get further in and we realize, okay, that food that's gratifying us, we're not going to be on a hurricane vacation for a year and if we are we should not be doing this and um i'll say for me it's taken over a year before i hit that point where i said amy okay you're you're being ridiculous and your 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 love of immediate gratification and and Mm -hmm. deliciousness you know can start to take a hold of you so how do you satisfy by your palate whenever you do come from a a land of supersized where maybe we're, we've been loaded up with fat and salt and we see that as flavor.
1: I think as culinarians, I think we owe it to ourselves and our guests in our restaurants or whatever facility you're in. I think we owe it to them to think outside the box with more or different flavors and there are substitutions like we, you mentioned when you're looking at something like, for instance, a mushroom bolognese. What can we do? How do we take the meat aspect of it without using Impossible Burger, and I'm not knocking them, or Beyond, or any of these other processed meat um, uh, uh, substitutes that we're talking about? But what do we have to go whole? And, and if you look at the mushrooms that we've got, Mataki is a really great one, I just thought about. Um, you've got oyster, you've got uh, shiitakes and creminis. And if you kind of manipulated like I did with the beets and something that they were talking to me about earlier if I sous vide it and it was a little bit softer because some of the textures were a little bit hard that it kind of messed up as it was going it would have been probably spot on delicious and would have had that consistency of texture of uh, beef that you're looking for when you're eating raw beef or beef tartare you, that's what you have to do, that feedback was great for me because now I can go back and I experiment more I don't, I don't look at uh, feedback as a negative I look at it and I ask for it because it only makes me better when I'm trying to produce something. And that's what I strive for. There's no such thing as perfection, but we can get really close to getting up there. And if we set that bar that high, we really can do things. But substituting out, knowing textures, building your palate, which is something that is, I think, key for everyone. And that's only a period of taking time. It's easy to train somebody to cook, like here's searing and here's this, and this is what we need to do. But having that, does it need too much salt? What's it missing? What, what If I added, like you were talking about earlier, um with the vinegar and the co or the coca cola so it negates the acidity, negates the sugariness that 's exactly the point, point. and how do we get to there and that's what you that's where we need to start thinking or how we start thinking
0: and you know i do i, I agree with that, and I think food is about balance mm-hmm. and it's about flavor and um there I think some of us have to retrain our palates mm-hmm. uh, on what is an appropriate balance and flavor? Because what we've gotten comfortable with and what we're used to is very, very different um, than where I think we should be going in the uh, the near future.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned about balance, and you know, as chefs, we try to look for work life balance and such. And when we look at our food, I think we need to balance the plate another thing about the western diet is that the star of the show is the protein and the star of the show shouldn't be like in every other country and you in johnny we were just talking about the indian foods Th- that culture is not protein first it's everything else first and if we thought more like that i don't think we would have this diabetes running rampant i don't think we would have cancer If we would have cancer but i don't think nearly as much or these We
0: would be healthier in general.
1: Listen, back, I don't care what religion you practice, whatever it is the Torah, the Talmud, the uh, Quran, or the Old Testament, New Testament, whatever you, it never said Diane died because she couldn't eat bread. There was no such thing as a a celiac disease. And it was only because we used these processed foods that we started developing these, you know, symptomatic problems with our, our, our digestive system. That, I think, is where we missed the boat as. A society here in the United States. I don't think we we need to, like you said, retrain our brain to think that the reward is having the garnish. And this is something Keith says: the garnish is the protein, the stars, or vegetables.
0: And. I, and I love that because um, I, as a carnivore, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: who is trying to be a much better omnivore, but I don't know what it is if you eat too many starches, but you call yourself too whenever you're just a breadaholic, right? Right. 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 But um, you know, trying to rebalance things, but uh, there's something about you know having that that one bit that's like exciting and our favorite thing. Um, I I don't know if you do this, but if I go to a restaurant and I have a dish that I love and I'm eating it and, you know, someone at the table is like, oh, my dish is delicious. Do you want to taste it? I'll say, no, I need to end on this flavor. Like Mm -hmm. this is the flavor that satisfied me. I want to end on that flavor. And I think if we're using our protein almost as that like exciting start flavor and that exciting end flavor, it can kind of help us transition to more balance
1: yeah definitely one of the reasons why i wanted to kind of go on the journey of like just substituting certain things out with whatever it is was because i wanted i felt like i should be more of the the bridge from the omnivore meditarian mindset to the vegan five letter word over here where can i do it because i'll be honest with you i I, i'm still I still eat my bacon. I still have all my stuff that I eat because I just eat more balanced and mindful of what I'm eating. But I still, for somebody else, and I'll be honest, there was a, a nutrition program down in South, and I'm not going to mention any words to it, but I got that meal plan because I want to try it. As a chef, I was really discouraged because I thought this was this is their product and are known for it. Why don't you do, where's the passion, where's the heart in it? There was no flavor. It was literally like rice noodles, no flavor, eggplant, little sauce, and that was it.
0: Uninspired.
1: Uh, very uninspiring. And, and, I, and I ate this thinking to myself, if I was on this diet, I would be already off of it after this meal. And that's not good. And you know, look at Eleventh Madison, uh, uh, Eleventh Madison over in New York. They are completely now plant based. And you have two chefs in France, both Michelin stars, that have no protein uh, on their menu at all anywhere. Why are we not more em- embracing these whole uh, plant based foods more so than these processed ones? Is because it's the old money dollar. But yet, it's because the textures that we perceive as omnivores, because remember, it's DNA, it's innate. When we, we learn how to play with fire, and you know, we, oh, this tastes much better cooked. But well, what about vegetables? What about making a Donner filled with celery and onions or a gyro with onions and carrots, and roasting it up and putting it on a spit and just sitting there, and, what? There's nothing better than mirepoix, I'm sorry. That's the first thing I do when I make a stock. <laughs> There's that leftover and you're like, oh, that's a good piece of onion, and oh, that's a really, because you get all those flavors, those umaminess. You know, it brings me back to my childhood, too. And,
0: you know, I, one thing that struck me when you were talking was, um, at, you know, I kind of giggled to myself when you were like, I'm not telling you to be a vegetarian. I am not telling you to be a vegan. I am not. I am telling you that plant based foods are, you know, a a good part of a healthy and wholesome diet and for my listeners out there he um held up his tattoos and he goes because these are plant-based foods too and then i looked at him and i was like he's my people so tell him what your tattoos were
1: yeah so um my right arm has the breakdown of a cow and it's butchering uh which is one of my pastimes i think it's a dying breed unfortunately in our world i know here in florida We don't really have any butchers, especially in South Florida where I'm from, which you would think there would be, but there's not. And it's sad because one of the biggest grocery store changes don't, they do not fabricate their meat anymore. So here's the thing that, as a hunter and a gatherer, and as somebody who loves and has respect for Mother Nature and our natural resources, I, I really kind of gravitated to that. But I'm also uh, I love bacon, so I have on the left arm is the pig bake breakdown, and it's the butchery you know, of the different pigs. And I like to put them together, and I always call it my um, my cheese bake, my bacon cheeseburger.
0: <laughs> and you know, you make sense. You know, the animals that we want to eat. You know, you're seeing grass fed beef, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they are eating these plant-based foods and it's really um, you know, changing the flavor. And I think changing the flavor and changing our palate is, again, a key. And one thing that you, know, you were commenting on was the use of fire and smoke To help and change that. And I know a lot of our listeners out there are barbecue aficionados and uh, we love our barbecue and our smoke and our whole roasted whatever. Mm -hmm. So talk about how you're using the grill and the barbecue and the fire and the smoke to really enhance the flavors of these foods.
1: Yeah, it's a really great quest to learn perfection right and I think uh, chef Francis Malman who I, m- I made a comment and I've never met chef and I, I would be honored to meet him one day uh, hopefully I will it could be in a bucket list um, but having his knowledge and seeing what he does with the seven fires grilling in the iron cross and Il infernito and all these different things it really brings you back to primitive stages of your life but it's not only that We were just talking about this with a bunch of chefs. I said, I I used to pick up a a broom and do line sweeps and my cooks run over, chef, you don't need to do that. I'm like, no, no, that's really cool, I don't mind it's zen for me. Barbecuing for me is a zen. It's the fight with mother nature. It's the fight with, are you gonna play nice with me, wind? Are you, what are you too dry? Are you too wet? You know, and it's it's almost like the game of golf because there's no one else around. And I've literally been caught talking to myself out loud my, and people are like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just having a conversation. And they're like, with, I'm like, my voices and, and they know me enough that people go that 's just you the
0: fire talks right. back to me right. and, and, and,
1: and it 's really that 's the other thing once you get the fire right and the smoke is right, and you know it and you 're you 're in your zone, and I know your listeners who are in that barbecue realm right now know what i 'm talking about it 's just one of those things that 's innate that we don 't speak about we just know it 's like yeah it's there and then you look at that fire and it's kind of just flowing back and forth the orange is glistening and then you see the different colors I, that's the point of my life where i just sit there and go this is what it's all about you know having a great whatever i'm making so i look at what smoke i want to utilize and i know i mentioned this yesterday what about if you used different vegetables and different smoking techniques with different smoke so you can have an apple uh, smoke, a pork, uh, apple, uh, pe- a pecan, or a peach, or oak, and then you play with these things and you get to test and play around. But yet in the same token, we always biggie-size the, pro- biggie the root vegetables. And if you know your knowledge, uh, you really can find that sweet spot with making different smokes and having a smoked peach that was smoked in oak, and then having a smoked beets smoked in peach, and so that's that play on smoke. I think that's where it becomes uh, a, a balance, and how do you get that flavor to permeate? So you have to know timing, right? You know a brisket at 12 pounds, you know it's going to be at least 10 hours before you get to the, you know, four hours, and then it goes another six hours, and then there's a stall, and then you got maybe 14 hours total. You got, you know, ribs could be three, two, one. Those ribs are like, you know, east side, west side kind of thing, but it, it's one of those things. Um, uh, what was the other thing? Um, you, you have to realize that if a beat is this big, how much time do you need to go for it? If it's this, how much time does it need to go? And then once you realize that, just like when you first started out making barbecue and doing whatever you're barbecuing, it's a trial and error. Mm-hmm. To a complete trial and error.
0: I'll say that um, I use smoke a lot when I have a surplus of
1: produce
0: Mm -hmm. um that's one thing that i have found i I call it the i can't believe there's no bacon flavor Mm -hmm. right Right. (laughs) so um just recently we had hundreds of pounds of carrots and i'm like okay we got to do something with all these carrots and so we ended up smoking them and honestly I, i giggled i was like if i put this on a hot dog bun somebody probably wouldn't know till they bit into it but a little bit of that pureed smoked carrot paste goes a long way to enhance the flavor of the dish and then you know same thing with our uh you know tomatoes mm-hmm. and adding that into our our soups and stews as a base so i you know i think it's really exciting what you're able to do with with fire and food
1: right yeah it's amazing it really is i mean it's fascinating.
0: Now uh, we only have a few minutes left, but I know um, there that you are playing around with recipes and you're you're making all these kinds of things. Is there? Do you have any advice on those for those of us who are kind of trying to make that switch? Um, how do we make the switch to start to incorporate more plant-based foods? And should we be buying? plant-based foods? Should we be buying produce? You know, wh- where, what's your thought process
1: on that? That is an excellent question and I think if you, it depends on how much of a meatitarian you are or, or carnivore you are. Uh, the pendulum will swing differently for each one of you. If you're more of a carnivore like yourself and the carbs or something like, I would definitely go for those substitutes um, like uh, Morningstar and Beyond and Hungry Planet and Gardene and all those other ones and you find your jive that would impossible. And find that jive for you that really works for you and then start experimenting with that and then substituting out something else. Instead of buying cream, buy a plant-based cream. Instead of buying regular butter, Sub it out with regular, you know, plant-based butter. You find out what works for you. I can honestly say that Flora is one of my favorite ones out there that has a good balance of creaminess and it has that buttery flavor without the nuttiness to it. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. And somebody, one of your listeners might like Miyoko's. Somebody might like Earth Balance. Everybody's doing it now. Everybody has a plant-based pretty much out there. I mean, within four years, it's going to be worth $27 billion. That's a lot of money.
0: That's a lot. And I think... um You know the time is right where we're all kind of reevaluating our lives Mm -hmm. you know the last year has taught us a lot about who we are as people and given us I think everyone a time to kind of look inside themselves and go where where do I want to be four years from now and uh, I, I think your point about having an eight year old and going I need to be here four
1: years from now. Is that was is my why powerful? Yeah, that was my why. There was no doubt. And one of the things too that also I gravitated to the plant base is, you know, we know that meat cannot sustain us. And I'm not talking about sustainability. Sustain us as a human race. We don't have enough land. We don't have enough natural resources. There's 99 million heads of cattle anywhere on the earth, anywhere in the United States right now, at any given point, and they need two acres a day to graze and be, you know, developed. It's a lot of land, a lot of food, a lot of waste a lot of natural resources we need to figure something out like farmers doing vertical farming for farming <laughs> we need to have these guys that are raising these ranchers that are raising our cattle and our pigs and our chickens vertically or something else that's a little bit different than what we're doing now because the end product is what we're inputting to our, our animals that we're trying to feed us mm-hmm. and that's that's something that we really need to think about and I think some of your listeners should go out and say what's in here it should be the question and what I want in there is a different thing.
0: Because what what we're putting on our plates, we have to remember is what we're putting in our bodies
1: and fueling us.
0: Yes. Right. And if you're if you're bad like me and you're maybe have a few too many diet sodas and you know packs of sweet tarts, that's not really the fuel that you need. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, you know I think chatting with you today has really helped to put that in perspective. But I hopefully. Um, kind of given us all a little bit of we don't have to give it up y'all we just have to do it a little bit different
1: yeah it's (laughs) changing the mindset and it's only one one ingredient at a time at a recipe that's that's the only thing just think one ingredient at a time if I changed one ingredient how much different would you have that flavor profile and what would you really miss it
0: well, I, I mean, this has been so much fun, and I want you to tell all our listeners how they can find you, sure. um, and if they make it to your town, how they can um, get you to cook for them, and all that good stuff.
1: Sure. Uh, so um, I'm definitely on the baconcartel.com. That's our main website. We're on all different social media handles, baconcartel, at baconcartel on Twitter, bacon underscore cartel on Instagram, baconcartel on Snapchat, and got, I think there's... A tiktok bacon cartel believe it or not i gotta get in that realm at 50 i don't know play (laughs) with the kids but i'll try but no thank you very much for having me this is fantastic
0: well thank you chef jeffrey for all of our listeners out there you've been listening to dinner party with chef amy sins on wrbh radio 88.3 fm until next time ciao